welcome back it seems like it's been a while but it's only been a couple of weeks uh no gray today um he's under the weather he's not feeling great at the moment so he's taking some well earned rest but he will be back sooner rather than later but we did not want to let the people wait we wanted to get a review out so this will be shorter than our usual deep dive because while i can talk um i don't have anyone to talk again so it's only going to be so long i guess uh, this is the start of season three of Picard, um, episode one, the Next Generation, which right right off the bat, it's a great title. Now, absolutely loved this episode. It was a great start, very solid start. Grace put some notes in here that I will cover, of course. So he's here in spirit, kind of, um, and we'll kind of just break it down a little bit. Give my my two pence worth on it. First of all, things have changed a little bit for the third season. So obviously the Next Generation cast are coming back for the most part. Um, Terry Metalis, who had a hand in the last season but wasn't the main showrunner, is the main show main showrunner this time. And you can tell Terry is, uh, he's a big Star Trek man. He knows what we want. Uh, he knows what Trekkies want. Uh, and he delivers uh, and I'll break it down as we go along, the kind of things he does. Some subtle, some obvious, some just bang in your face. Um, and I absolutely, absolutely love this episode. It's a, just a nice start. Can't wait for another nine. So let's kick off, shall we? We start on uh, Beverly Crusher's ship, uh, the Elios, I believe it's called. She was talking to the ship at one point, uh, calling it Elios. I'll put two and two together. The AI's, the computer's name is the same as the ship, which makes sense. Uh, a ship's closing in on it. I can't tell if it's the bad guy ship, the, the Shrike or not, because comparisons, it could be an angle. Uh, but certainly a bad guy or the bad guy ship is closing in on it. And we go into the ship, and it's, it's this old battered down type ship. Uh, you hear old Jean-Luc Picard logs being played in the background um, you see a little nod to Jack Crusher, her husband who died. Uh, there's like a chest with his name on it. Uh, you see some medical equipment and stuff. You know, it's very much Beverly's home by the looks of it. But they start getting, uh, they, they get they get boarded. Unfortunately, the bad guys catch up, um, and they're wearing masks, which I don't know why they're trying to hide their identity, but hopefully it becomes apparent sooner rather than later. He, Beverly asks the computer to charge the warp drive. Now, Gray assumed that it might be damaged. I don't think it's damaged. I just think it's an old shit ship. i saying that quickly ten times in a row. Um, it's... I, yeah, yeah, I mean, it could be damaged, but, you know, this thing's charging, and it takes a few minutes to charge. And you just... I've never known a warp drive to ever do this. It's just... The power's there, goal, but it's an old crap ship, so maybe that's possible. You know, it's not a fancy Starfleet vessel, so um, I think it's 
is, I think it is a Starfleet vessel, possibly, but a really old one. I, I have never seen that type before, um, so I, I really couldn't say. Uh, she has a little kind of firefight with the bad guys. She kicks ass a little bit, to be fair. You know, she takes out the two bad guys that boarded. She vaporizes them, the old phaser, but she takes a shot. Takes a phaser shot, so she's kind of she's bleeding out a little bit. Um, this whole time, she has to try and escape, so she locks someone in a room. You don't see who it is, you just hear an English accent. We're assuming at this stage it might be the son we, we thought could be between her and Picard. Um, and he's let me out, let me out, but you know, she's kind of trying to escape. So she also uh, uses a, a, an encrypted message and sends it to Picard uh, saying, Don't trust anyone, don't trust anyone. Um, and then the ship jumps to warp and leaves the bad guys. I don't know why the bad guys don't follow. Maybe they did, but you don't see them following. Um, that's the opening scene, but we do get um, new credits, but they're minimal credits, which is great because sometimes... I, I, I like this minimal credit stuff. Unless the credits are excellent, I don't want credits. These are minimal. They have got the Next Generation blue font, uh, they also have the Next Generation movie music mixed in with a brief little Picard theme music. It was perfect. It was just just right, just what we wanted actually. Um, we then move on to uh, the Chateau Picard, his little vineyard uh, place, and you see him staring at a parent, uh, painting of the Enterprise D. She notices his favorite. Now, I. This is a stunning painting, by the way. I want this painting, man. That is on this canvas. It looks stunning, like absolutely gorgeous. That's. I'm not a big art guy, but see when I see that, I appreciate went into it because it's of a, a subject that I'm interested in. Um, he's there with. Never remember her name. The Romulan housekeeper chick that he got with, you know. Uh, this obviously seemed to be an item now. Uh, he does say that. They're doing some spring spring cleaning, and apparently spring cleaning isn't a thing on uh, Romulus, when Romulus was about. Romulus don't spring, spring clean. Learn something new today. He wants to give the painting to Jordi, uh, who's partly Jordi LaForce, who's in charge of the Fleet Museum. Now, uh, the, the housekeeper at the time, she says, to the, one of the servers, one of the servants, not servants, I guess you'd have servants then, one of the the, the member of the household that are cleaning up, don't actually get rid of that. That's that's a good picture. Just leave it be, please. Um, and they're just reminiscing, you know. Still with the Chateau Picard later that same evening, we presume, he's writing... It looks like he's he's talking about wanting to do his memoirs. And he's actually writing and writing them up with uh, old-style pens that you dip in the ink, which is a nice little touch. You know, some things are older, traditional, even in the future. Um and here's a the old kind of beeping from the old combadge from the TNG era. So what the this he hears it several times and he asks his in-house computer AI system what that is. Um and he tracks it down because they're doing spring cleaning. They hadn't done they hadn't been doing spring cleaning, they would have been screwed. But they were doing some spring cleaning, including all his uniforms and stuff. Little TNG musical note when he opens uh, the box, he's got his uh, old uniform in it. He finds the old comm badge as well. 
He's asking the computer, what, what the hell is going on here? And the computer's saying it's an encrypted message. And he's like, why encrypted message in an old school bomb badge from 20 years ago? And then he kind of, whatever reason, he, 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 something clicks in his head and he's like, myriad. Okay, computer, open it with myriad protocol, blah, blah, blah. It seems to be kind of locked down. This unlocks it, and here's a message that Beverly sent in the first place, which he's like, don't trust anyone. And she mentions, now I could have got this wording wrong, Hellbird seems to be some kind of coded message. Excuse me while I wet my whistle. Um, so yeah, he seems horrified and a bit distressed, understandably. Now, things start getting great and I'm using and just the chemistry, brilliant. Riker is back, of course he is, and he's on the sauce. And I don't mean this sauce, I mean the alcoholic sauce. Um, he's at the bar, and he, he sees a lot of old Enterprise models behind the bar. Different different kinds, uh, but there's quite a few Enterprise D models left. And he's like, to the barkeeper, why is there so many Enterprise D models left? And she turns around and goes, no one wants the fat ones. And, and Gray, this is a note to you, my man. Gray, this, he loves Enterprise D, just like I do, but he, he agrees it's a fat boy. Nothing wrong with fat boys, Gray, is what I'll say to you, right? Okay. Plenty of padding to keep you warm. Don't knock it. Um, <laughs> so Terry's heard you, Gray, uh, and Gray had a chuckle at that one. But Riker's horrified a little bit. He's like, oh, hey, wait a little minute. Um... And he says, you better just leave the bottle while you're there while he drowns his sorrows. Or meets up with one of those old boy hats, you know, the cap things that kind of come out a little bit. Not like this, like the old boy caps, you know, that they wear. Um, the bonnet, I don't know what it's called. Um, and he tells Picard, can you believe what they're saying about the, uh, the Enterprise D? And Riker turns out the young lady and he goes, the galaxy class to you, young lady. <laughs> Just the, the banter between those two, because bear in mind, not only did they serve together, but they were good friends as well, you know? Uh, they have got such an understanding, those two, and they're friends in real life as well, so um, it's great to see those two. It really, one of the better pairings in Star Trek, I think. Now, the Myriad codec that was used to unlock the comm badge message um, is also used to complete the coordinates that be. Beverly gave card. He doesn't know uh, about it in depth as well because apparently it was used while it was while it was Locutus, and they're trying to they're trying to figure out where this this message uh, these coordinates going to lead to. So they do a bit of Sherlock Holmes and uh, you know cross the dots and basically figure out where she may be. And it turns out she's just outside Federation space. Uh, I know here it seems to be all the fun stuff is outside Federation space, and Gray ag agrees with me. Of course it is. Uh, as the boys leave the bar, uh, you see an, another guy at, propped up at the bar, a sketchy-looking guy that watches them as they leave, so you're automatically right. Okay, keep an eye out on this guy. Now, we then pan on to a new planet called Metallus Prime. Say that again. I'll say that again slowly. Metallus. What does, does that ring a bell? Terry Metallus? Metallus Prime? Yeah, the guys went and named a bloody planet after himself. Terry Metallus 
wrote this episode. Uh, he didn't direct it. He wrote it. He wrote a few episodes, several episodes, and he's obviously the showrunner for season three. Now, normally I'd go, you big-headed SOB, Jesus Christ, man. But he done such a good job of this episode. I'm letting him have it. He deserves a planet named after himself. So, on yourself, Terry. Now, um, we're on Metallus Prime with Raffi. Now, Gray and I are not big fans of her, right? We're really not. She's, she's kind of like a wet fart. She's welcome. She doesn't do a hell of a lot, I don't think. A little bit annoying at times as well. But Gray does note that she was at least tolerable in this episode, which she was. She did have some kind of angle and something going on that was um, useful. It looks professionally, at least on the outside, that she's back on the gear. And I mean by that, the drugs, of course. Um, he's up talking to, um, looks like a dealer at this little shady bar thing. And she mentions that her girlfriend left her. And I'm thinking, good on you, seven and nine. Seven and nine's just had enough. She's focusing on her career. Uh, she's trying to get information from this drug dealer. And says in return she can get back into Starfleet and get world-ending shit for him. Um, Taylor's not so sure about this. He's also asking about something called the Red Lady. To know about this, um, but doesn't. Oh, sorry, she's told it about the Red Lady. That sold the drug dealer. Can tell her my apologies, um, but seems after a few moments when she leaves the drug dealer, she isn't back on drugs. She was actually playing it all along, which is smart. Kudos. I, I honestly thought straight away, relapse. I wasn't going to judge her, like, never been in that position. Maybe it's easy for someone to relapse like that. She's back to her intelligence officer ways, it seems. Um, does have the drugs in her hand at one moment. I think she looked at it for a moment. She was tempted, but she, she let it go. She dropped it to the ground, so good. Um... And she's then she goes back to uh, the La Serena, um, and he is talking to her handler. She wants to meet her handler, but her handler will not agree to meet up. And the handler's just like find out about this red lady. That's all we see. The La Serena, God, getting past on pillar to post this bloody ship. It really is. Um, it's never a big fan of that ship. If I'm being honest with you. Now, it, this episode paced beautifully. It just builds up nicely. Uh, it doesn't go too fast at the start. It just builds up nicely. And at this stage, we've now got the two old chaps, the two old fellas, Riker and Picard, approaching a starbase. We don't know which starbase where it is. I don't think it's the one by Earth. Um, they have to try and get to these coordinates, but can't just, you know, Starfleet can't be officially involved so they have to um, find a, another way of doing it, a ruse and the ruse is, this is Riker's idea we're going to be inspecting a ship on a shakedown cruise uh, to take their plans forward, Picard's really unsure about this <laughs> and then Riker says the comedy is just brilliant it's not Thor level comedy Thor Love and Thunder where it was just too much and cringy but, but nor is it deadly serious. There's just enough humour between these TNG guys that there always was in the past. 
at the right moments and the right times. And Gray and I are big advocates of using humour and Trek at the right times in anything we really watch. Don't turn it into a comedy because it's not a comedy. And Riker says, come on, Admiral, let's see your inspection face. Um, followed by, give me one of those rigid, disapproving, sour expressions you're famous for. To which Picard turns around and actually gives him said face. And, and Riker says, there it is. Uh, so ch- I love the chuckle between these two boys. We then see the Titan A. Oh, and it does look stunning, I must admit. We have some then uh, next generation uh, movie music coming back with great sweeping shots of the Titan, very similar to um, uh, the motion picture. And Gray had a little bit he wanted me to say on his behalf for this one here. Uh, Terry did mention at the start, now, originally back in the day, Jerry Goldsmith done a lot of the music for the the TNG movies and the series and whatnot, right? A bit of a trick legend when it comes to the musical side of things. Uh, but he's long gone, fortunately. So Terry Metallus did say that we are going to find someone and we're going to have the music as close to how Terry would have had it, which is no mean feat to try and pull that off. And they've got a guy in called Stephen Barton, so we'll give him the credit that he deserves. Uh, he does the music an entire episode... Uh, really well with this music. Um, we, we have, at this part, certainly the motion picture shots of the Titan A and the musical notes. Um, and we hear the TNG theme at one point as well. We were both cheesing and beaming at shots of the uh, Titan A because it looks stunning. And even the scenes in the bridge leaving the, 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 the dry dock were all... Um, accompanied by the the Enterprise theme from the motion picture. Uh, We do have Riker stare. We've seen it in the trailers where he looks at the ship and goes, hello, beautiful. He commanded the Titan, the original, not the original, but the Titan from his generation. Because the Titan goes way back to Savok in the original series timeline. Um, But before the Titan, it was the Titan, and Riker was in charge of that. Um... Yeah, it, it, when you see that ship for the first time, they've done it well because it's, it is our hero ship this time, so we have to fall in love with it. And the ship is arguably one of, if not the most important character in the whole of uh, Star Trek. So it has to be done properly. Um, a bit emotional seeing that for both Grey and I. We, 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 we both generally love that. Um and there'll be more of these great shots throughout the episode. Now, they get on the ship, Seven greets them, uh, and introduces herself as Commander Anakin Hansen. Thinking, hmm, a human name. He says, Captain Shaw prefers this. Now, right off the bat, I'm thinking, and I think Grey joins me, Grey, uh, joins me with this, the guy sounds like a dick already. We haven't even met him yet. Um, Picard dresses down an officer, which I found funny just for the hell of it, straight in the combat, sorting the collar. Uh, Riker clocks someone as well, as if he was going to do the same, but he doesn't. And as they pull away, this guy that Riker clocked turned around and clocks him back. And I'm thinking, is that the guy from the bar? I think it is. 
Gray agrees with me. It's the eyes that gave it away. The eyes were obvious, Gray. I have to admit, man, it, it wasn't even subtle. Um, on the bridge, to get to the bridge, uh, the bit that we saw in the trailer of uh, Seven saying, Admiral on deck, and Riker going, <clears throat> ah, she then says, and Captain on deck. Because uh, he is a captain, but he's just not got a chair at the moment. I think that's the same with Worf as well, actually. He's captains without ships, which weird for me but anyway um we meet ensign sydney laforge jordan laforge's daughter which is great she's the new helmsman uh Riker talks about her nickname crash laforge uh to which we find out she's crashed not once he's like come on it was an accident Riker's like twice <laughs> you crashed twice in the academy it's a bit of a speed demon apparently uh, Seven is then given the honour of taking the Titan out of space dock, which is a huge honour for the first time a ship after a, it's been created or a refit is taken out of the, 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 the dry dock. And we get a brilliant view of those account, uh, iconic dry dock doors, which opening up. Gray does note here that she does look a little bit nervous. Gray, Seven and nine doesn't get too nervous, but you can see it a little bit in her facial expression. Uh, but finally says engage as we cut to a slight smile from Picard who I think noddingly, noddingly approves uh, great views of the Titan again this is uh, I noted here that <clears throat> I don't know how I feel about this ship it's a neo constitution so they recycle a lot of ships from older Trek and I think that's by design uh, because they geared up for things like the Dominion War and the Borg encounter, but they weren't such of a threat now. So instead of making the warship type vessels again, they're starting to recycle old ships and just fit them with new, newer tech, which uh, I like and I dislike. You want to see new stuff, but I have seen some, I have seen some brilliant iterations of some of the ships, which we could we'll probably talk about refit ships or something special. But I do like the Neo Constitution, but it looks like um. It's been on a lot of carbs. It's it's chunked out quite a bit. It's got a big fat uh, lower uh, half of the ship, um, a bit chunky, but it's brimming of tech. This thing, it's it's, it's the latest model, so it's decent. Now, <laughs> Picard says to Seven, Seven and Nine, Picard, Titan, flanking her. Um, Picard says to Seven that shouldn't we let Engineer know that we're going to hit warp 9.99 right off the bat? Now, I didn't know that was a thing. I was like, what? You have to tell Engineering you're going to hit maximum warp right away? Maybe it makes sense. I've never heard that been mentioned before. Uh, but Seven says it's all, all automating now. We don't need to do that. Of course it is. Everything's bloody automated. Picard feels a bit stupid. But says seven will make captain before she knows it. To which Riker says, more comedy again, I love this. Riker says, excellent recovery, Admiral. <laughs> to which Picard says, shut it will. <laughs> just just a good chuckle, man. I really I really enjoyed that. But um and let's say engage and they're off. Great exchange between the characters, great notes here, which I love. Now <clears throat> Dick Sorry, I mean Shaw, that's what he is at this stage and it gets worse, is being very rude to the guys. They come into Riker, uh, Seven and Picard all come into the the, the meeting, the, the 
lounge to have dinner with your Captain Shaw. Captain Shaw is already tucking into the grub. That's rude. We just you don't you don't do that, do you? Um, and they all sit down. Seven introduces them, and Shaw's like, "You don't need to introduce me to these guys." The reputation precedes them. Um, they're all sitting down, munching away, and Riker says, "We're going to be uh, changing course." And Picard says, then, after we've changed course, we're going to DS4. Cool to see there's another deep space station being announced, but not the main one we wanted to see. Uh, Seven saves his bacon by saying, I think Nadron means DS11. Shaw then says, no. Right off the bat, just no. And Riker looks horrified, man. She just, he looks like he's not happy. Um... And I'm just thinking, can someone just kill this arsehole already? Just, I think Shaw will die pretty quickly. I've got a funny feeling, and I can't wait. Just let the big boys with the big boy pants do their job. Uh, Picard reminds Shaw that he's an admiral. Of all due respect, he says. But Shaw says that he's a retired admiral, and Riker is a, a captain of a chair. Now he's not wrong. He's not wrong, but some things you just, yeah, some things you just don't say. Now, at this stage here, um, obviously it's not going too well. Uh, Shaw talks about Seven's loyalties to ex-Borg, and Riker literally has to put him in his place. You know, he's just like, hey, that's, that's enough of that, it's enough. Shaw cheekily, on the way out of the room, pats Riker on the shoulder on the way out, and... Gray also hates this guy. He's just an a-hole. Gray notes here. He is. I mean, this guy needs to die quickly, please, and let the big boys get on with it. And the big girls. Now, we're back with Rafi. on the last arena again. Um, she's trying to find out at this stage, to do with the Red Lady, she's trying to find out who took experimental weapons from the Daystrom Institution, the, the very famous institution. Um... And the handler she's speaking to on the, the view screen, who she doesn't see or properly hear, basically says, just find the red lady. Just find the red lady. I'm not agreeing to meet up. Nothing's happening. Just find out who this red lady, red lady is. Um, which she she definitely gets involved to try to find out who the red lady is later on. Uh, back on the Titan, hero ship time. Uh, <laughs> Picard and Riker are sharing bunk beds. And I'm just thinking, what the F, Shaw, you saw are a dick. Uh, Picard is humiliated, it reminds Riker of his day, Academy days, but he doesn't remember having to give, get, get, <laughs> he doesn't remember having to get up so much to pee. Old age hits his all, my man. Um, Seven calls the boys to the ops lounge and asks them what the hell they're up to. Uh, you know, and then you've got Riker going, that's no way to be speaking to an admiral. Watch your kind of tone, that kind of thing. And then Seven says, "I'm not speaking to an admiral. I'm speaking to a friend," which is true. I mean, he is retired as well, so you maybe get you get away with that side of things. Uh, Picard kind of relents and is like, "Right, okay. Um, I'll tell you what the plan is." But Seven doesn't seem to be too happy where she is at the moment. Uh, she says Picard and Janeway convinced her to join Starfleet. But she's just 
when she was a Federalist Ranger, she could go and do her own thing. You know, but but now she's got a captain as a dick and all these regulations and rules. She's she's really not happy. Grey loves a little Janeway name drop. So do I. I wish we could see Janeway in this series. I want to see a live action Janeway series. She needs to be involved again. She is one of, if not my favorite. I think I said she was my favorite captain. Um, just because I love Voyager, I'm biased. Now. Seven disobeys orders as have now warped to the writing system just outside Federation space. Uh, and it looks nasty out there. There's a nasty looking nebula. Is there always nebulas, man? Always. Uh, and she's arranged for uh, the officer guarding the shuttle craft, uh, the shuttle bay, to let them take uh, to, to take a break so they can take a shuttle craft out. Um she's on their side already which i absolutely love um it turns out there's a ship in the nebula running on low power settings so seven arranges for them to take uh, a shuttle bay to beverly's ship uh the elios as we know the name of we pan to shaw he's then woken up and he's pissed off after seeing where they are and great i mean to be fair i'm going to back up gray's comment he mentions here for once, Shaw has every right to be pissed. He does. You know, you, you don't disobey an order like that, your captain, whether you're a dick or not, you know. You're you're the person seven's just gonna come off worse, basically. And he comes he comes over to the bridge and he is um he is just like uh, uh, in shock, uh, you know, in shock of what's actually happened, but I think he's also not surprised. But he's basically saying to seven, you're basically done, that kind of thing. It's been a usual his usual dicky self. Now, the shit's about to hit the fan here because we're we're back with Rafi Musica and she's trying to find out more information this Red Lady. She does find some more information this Red Lady, which links to uh, someone going to be at, I don't recall her name, at this Frontier, 250th Frontier special uh, Starfleet's happening. Our old ships are going to be on exercises and all that and it's a perfect time to attack isn't it um she finds some clues and she walks to somewhere called district seven um she's trying to hail the starfleet complex but she can't she's getting nothing it's the sound of you know when a comm uh message is getting blocked it sounds like that they don't seem to be responding or it's blocked uh it's too late as as rafi's coming in with the uh, la serena hovering above uh, it's too late as uh, the complex gets bombed, and it's not really a bomb. It's the thing we saw for the trailer with this circular kind of look. It looks like a cutting beam comes down, and it literally just demolishes the place. And what it actually done? It seems to be some kind of like think of Portal, the video game. If you ever played that, it literally created a portal around it, um, which made the whole complex implode. And then, I don't know if it was somewhere else in the planet or just above where the complex was, a portal appears and the remnants of the whole building come crashing down. So not only did everyone in that building get demolished and killed, but then everyone that was underneath the debris got smashed as well. Uh, and I've never seen a weapon like this before. Wow, that was that was something different. Uh, it was very cool, but un- unexpected. Yeah. It was very cool, but unexpected. Uh, event is grey notes here and it was we don't know what this weapon is closest i've got is the portal gun from the valve game portal and portal 2 
that's all I've got for you. Um, kind of closing in on the episode here at this stage, um, we have Picard and Riker on Beverly's ship, the Alias. Picard finds uh, Beverly in a stasis pod, and he could tell from the readings that, you know, her life signs are kind of low. Um, Riker's saying, both get their phasers ready, Riker's saying, his knees are shot, and Makar's hands are still are, are, are stiff, so as long as they don't need to shoot or run, it's all good. These old boys are feeling their age, but still don't mess with Star, two of Starfleet's finest. Um, Riker says, Captain, uh, he says, he says it's old habits as he sees phaser burns everywhere. Um, talking about Beverly. Um, you know, she's she's up to her old self. There's no doubt that she's a great doctor, but she's also a great shot as well. Um, someone comes up with the old phaser behind Riker, catches him off guard. We're then seeing Picard uh, on the bridge, looking at the stasis pod again of Beverly. Um, and he actually calls out to Riker, his grey notes here, I missed this part, uh, number one. Totally missed that part, Grace. So, so nice one, man. Um, just old habits and that, you know. Um, but then the person with the phaser to Riker's head marches him onto the bridge, um, and it looks like it's Picard's son because we hear the English accent, and Picard's trying to convince him, "Listen, we're on your side here. We're come to see what's going on with Beverly. Let's try and get out of here," you know. Um, the alarms go off in the ship. It looks like the bad guys have found them. And then the strike comes in with a slow shot, you know. And you get that very bad guy type, oh, hairs in the back of your neck type music, you know. And what is it with a strike? A ship? It looks like one of those, uh, what those little, they're not ants, like those beetles with a little pincer things in front of them, but it's also got these big claws as well. And I'm like, what practical use, what, what is it wrong with ships and bloody claws and these, what, what practical use has this got at all, I'm thinking to myself. It looks intimidating, but it just can't be practical at all, this thing. Um, now, it does look the business, uh, but we don't really see any more than that. The kind of episode ends, um, and we get the credits with the TNG movie music and oh it's glorious and Grey absolutely loves that as well um, it's kind of a shame uh, that I couldn't jump into the second episode right away Well, and, and I would have as well I would have so I really can't wait for next week I just hope there's no pauses or breaks between it just go straight for 10 weeks I gave it an 8.5 out of 10 I was close to a 9 it could very well be a 9 Grey gives it a 9 out of 10 uh, the music he notes here pushes it up half a point. So, yeah, great first start. Great. I'm sure you'll listen back to this. I told you it was going to be okay, man. You were hesitant. Grey's been damaged more than others with season one and two of Picard. But it's like you or I being a writer and writing for Star Trek. We know what Trekkies want. Um, Terry Metalis is a massive TNG Star Trek guy. He gave us what we wanted. From the little subtle musical cues to the sweeping shots of ships that we like, and there's plenty of them. The Titan, they does look stunning. Um, 
brilliant episode overall first time really really enjoyed it sorry it's a bit shorter than usual guys if you're used to it it's just without anyone to bounce against um it's a bit more difficult but maybe this is a little bite-sized episode for you for once uh we will be back next week certainly if if grace still a bit unwell i'll i will definitely be doing a review again because i enjoy talking about this um but of course, the usual call to arms. Uh, we do appreciate any uh, follows on Twitter as well. That's where episode updates are always posted online at the Trekway on Twitter. Uh, whenever you listen to your podcast, we just search for us at the Trekway if you want an audio format. And of course, on uh, YouTube, uh, is of course thumbs up and subscriptions are always welcome. But just as important, if not more important, is comments below. Comment what you liked, you disliked. Um, what you would like to see in any specials we do on Star Trek, we like doing them as well. And don't forget Grey's, Grey's uh, podcast as well, the Grey, Grey's Green Room, which talks about entertainment in general, like DC, Marvel stuff, all that goodness is in there too. You can be found at the Grey's Green Room on Twitter, uh, search it on any podcast platform you listen to, and on the YouTubes. Um, and yeah, with that, we will... Uh, I will bid you uh, a goodbye and we'll see you next week. Take care. Bye-bye.